following is a message from Living Waters Church in Elk River, Minnesota. For more information, visit livingwatersmn.org. Well, we're on a journey together in the Word of God. Um, as you may remember, we t- took some time to talk about uh, Thy Kingdom Come, and we realized that we have a part in that, and we have a piece to play in that. We have a kingdom assignment. And um, just like the disciples, when they uh, were about to get their kingdom assignment, Jesus said, don't be too fast. Stay in Jerusalem until you receive an infilling power from on high that you might be my witnesses. And so on the heels of talking about our kingdom assignments, we now are spending some time talking about a perpetual Pentecost uh, of being filled with the Spirit. And so I want to talk today about the Holy Spirit. I want to kill some sacred cows. I want to lift off some uh, guilt on people if they feel like they don't have what everyone tells them they should have. And I want to help us under, give a, a clearer understanding of what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Somewhere in the early 2000s, we had 40 days of fasting and prayer. We did it as a community. Uh, we did it from, uh, from Easter to Pentecost. Um, and uh, we, we had a, a, a time of celebrating uh, through fasting in the community. And somewhere during that time, the Lord gave me an impression, a vision, a dream, I don't even remember exactly how it came, but here is what it was. It was the, the setting was a book signing like you'd see in Barnes and Noble or something like that, and people were clamoring over this book that was on a table, and it was just hubbub and just excitement, and I noticed off in the corner was a figure with his back to me, and he was weeping. I could see the, I still remember it. Ah. Oh. And I was struck not with what was going on with the book. I was struck with who was in the corner. And I, I, I remember in, my, in myself just asking, Lord, who is that? And the Lord said this, that is the Holy Spirit. And he is weeping because people are more in love with his book than they are with the author. And that did something in me. And that put me on a journey to always try to keep a balance between this precious, precious book that radically changed my life and still is, and the Holy Spirit who wrote it. And it's with that backdrop that I'm ministering to you this morning concerning the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. We badly need the Holy Spirit in this day to be alive and working in our lives. I want to take us back in Scripture to the roots of the day of Pentecost. Chapter 2, 
three verses. I'm just going to read. This is not where I'm preaching from, but I do want to just let it give us a backdrop and comment on it a little bit. I want us to notice that we are talking about men who, and women, by the way, who had walked with God, with Jesus, literally, for three plus years, and yet Jesus said to them, there's something more that you need. I believe they believed, I believe they knew, they believed in the resurrected Christ, and yet there was a greater, and I believe the Holy Spirit was active in their life, but there was a greater need in their life. We had our connect group on Friday night, and I just surveyed my friends in the connect group about their experience with the Holy Spirit. And I appreciated what Steve Sabas said. He said, because I asked, what was the difference between walking as a believer and then coming into a greater understanding with the infilling of the Holy Spirit? And I appreciated what Steve said. He said, before it was like the Holy Spirit was an acquaintance. But when I got filled with the Spirit, he became a friend. And that is, that is the difference. And for many of us, I know for me, there was a season between when I believed and then when I had the experience of being completely baptized or filled with the Holy Spirit. And that may be true for many of us. And it's good for us to see that the disciples needed it. By the way, the Saul of Tarsus needed it. Gets knocked off his high horse on the road to Damascus uh, has an encounter with Jesus, and yet Ananias has to be sent to lay hands on him. And Ananias said, I'm here, Paul or Saul, for two reasons. That your blind eyes might be opened and that you might be filled with the Holy Spirit. Scripture doesn't tell us what happened to Paul when he got hands laid on him, except to say that immediately he preached the gospel with boldness. I want us to remember that the primary purpose for what we read on the day of Pentecost was that they would be his witnesses. When the day of Pentecost, verse 1, had fully come, chapter 2 of Acts, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak in other tongues, as the Spirit gave them evidence. I want to suggest that when they got filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other tongues, they were doing just what Jesus said would happen. They were becoming his witnesses. And that every, uh, gathered in the city from every tribe and tongue, there were people who uh, spoke various languages and they all heard the praises going up to God in their language. And Jesus was being witnessed of. And then Peter gets to stand up. 
And he gets to proclaim that awesome message. This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. (laughs) In the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall speak in tongues. No. No, 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 no. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall... uh, See visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on your man's, my manservants and my maidservants, I will pour out my spirit, and they will prophesy. I said that earlier on, I wanted to go after a sacred cow this morning, and this is the sacred cow. We do not believe here at Living Waters that speaking in tongues is the only sign of being filled with the Holy Spirit. It is one, and I want to say right at the foundation, I am so thankful that I have the gift of speaking in tongues, and I use it regularly. If you're here this morning and you have been graced with the gift of speaking in tongues, I encourage you to use it, use it, use it. And I'm not going to get into why other than to say that it is a gift uh, that has three functions, but one of the functions is a prayer language that we might be built up in our spirit and edified. So uh, if you have that gift, I exhort you to use it. But I do want us to understand it is not the only sign, if we want to say it that way, of a person being filled with the Spirit. We could argue that, well, it must be prophecy. Upon my sons and your daughters, I will pour out my Spirit and they will prophesy. There again, we go again. We put a rule and a regulation and now somebody does, falls outside of the scope of what of our rule, and they feel like second-class citizens in the kingdom of God. I don't believe it. I don't believe the sign of being filled with the Spirit is neither tongues. The only sign of being filled with the Spirit is tongues, and I don't believe that it's prophecy. Here's what I believe. James said it this way. He said, you take a horse and you put a bit in his mouth and you can turn the whole horse. You take a ship and you put, though the ship be large, you put a small rudder on it and you can turn the whole ship. And then he went on to say, and so is the tongue set in the human body. It is the most unruly member of the human body. And I believe that when we are filled with the Spirit, what will change is our voice. And we will be given a voice. And we'll be given, and our tongue will be under the control of the Holy Spirit. More and more. Colleen and I were talking about um, just our experiences, and I was, I was asking her, and she said the marked difference when she got f- filled with the Holy Spirit was that she knew she was filled with the Holy Spirit. 
and there was a holiness. And uh, I've often described it this way. When the Holy Spirit comes in, we automatically get a referee on the inside of us to tell us when we've committed a foul in the game of life. That's what I believe. And there's an, a little alarm that can go off on the inside of us because he's the Holy Spirit. But the reality is that more than anything else, he wants to affect our voice. Remember what, what remember the reason for the infilling? That you might be my witnesses. What do witnesses do? They speak, they testify to what they've seen and what they've heard. I've heard, I'm debating whether I want to say this publicly or not, but I think I do. I have heard people say that they didn't think Billy Graham was filled with the Holy Spirit. I think that's silly. I don't know. I, to be honest, I've never studied things enough to know whether, wh whether he spoke in tongues, whether he advocated it. I, I, I don't know, and I don't really care, but I know that man was filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because of the ability to be a witness for Jesus Christ and affect thousands of people. And the reality is that the... the, the, the uh, evidence of the Holy Spirit residing within me is my speech changes, my voice changes. <laughs> that boy is filled with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I hope it was a boy. Doesn't matter. But here, look at, I just want to, I don't want to camp here, so I'm going to go through this fast. Here, uh, I'm, I'm just going to, in Acts chapter 2, they waited for the Spirit to fall, and then they spoke in tongues, in human languages, under audible languages to other humans. In Acts chapter 4, verse 23 through 31, some of the same disciples, James and John, ask again for the presence of the Holy Spirit to come upon them because they just got themselves thrown in jail for preaching and were told not to anymore. So their obvious thing was, fill us up, Lord. You remember, the, you, you remember their line? You decide whether you think we're going to obey you or God. We can only say what we've seen. And what is the evidence of that filling of the Spirit? They preached boldly. Acts chapter 8, verses 9 to 25. The... Uh, Laying on of hands, and Scripture doesn't tell us, it just says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts 9, chapter 17, it's where Ananias comes to Paul and says, I have, I have been sent that I might lay hands on you, that you might receive your sight, and that you might be filled with the Holy Spirit. And it, a few verses later, and immediately Paul went out, well, he was baptized, and immediately Paul went out, 
and preach the gospel. Acts chapter 10, verses 44 through 48. The Holy Spirit falls sovereignly on the Gentiles. And they speak in tongues. Acts 19, verses 1 through 7. Laying on of hands by, by the Apostle Paul. They spoke in tongues and they prophesied. I want to set at ease those of you who are in the room who have felt like second-class citizens in the body of Christ because you don't look like everyone else when it comes to speaking in tongues, prophesying, whatever it may be. Now, I do believe there is an infilling that needs to take place, and I do believe it, it marks a change on the inside of us. But we're in danger when we start putting rules and regulations around what it must look like. And do you realize that whole denominations have split because of just this one little topic? Anytime I see division like that in the body of Christ, I'm always aware whatever is bringing the division is not of God. Plain and simple. We like to put rules and regulations around our personal experience because then we can walk in spiritual pride. And we do a lot of damage. If you have ever had hands laid on you, and by the way, at the end of the service, we're going to open up the altar, and if you would like hands laid on you for the infilling of the Holy Spirit, we will do that. But I will remind you, in fact, I'll read it to you. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If then you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? I do want to say that that portion of Scripture is in wrapped in that whole thing of asking, seeking, and knocking. And sometimes we need to persist, like the disciples on the day of Pentecost, and we need to tarry in prayer and contend for the fullness of what God wants to give us. But we need to be at liberty and freedom. Sometimes people struggle with receiving the fullness of the Holy Spirit because of all the stuff that's wrapped around it. Turn in your Bibles. Now I'm going to preach. Well, I'm getting to my text. Turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 through 21. In the context of the foundation we've just laid, I want us to look at a pretty familiar piece of Scripture. 
Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 to 21. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking in tongues. Oh, it doesn't say that, does it? Speaking to one another. Speaking to one another. Voice, speaking to one another. Just want to make sure you catch that. In psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Obviously, we're living in an evil day. And I believe part of Paul, the, the Apostle Paul's exhortation here is because the days are <clears throat> so evil, we need the Holy Spirit living within us. That referee, <laughs> that one who both reminds us when we're out of line, but helps us to stay in line and walk in line. We must remember that the fruit that you and I produce in our lives is the fruit of the Holy Spirit, capital H, capital S. It's His, not ours. We just get to be the soil. Our heart just gets to be the soil. Our mind just gets to be renewed. Our body gets to carry the fullness of the presence of God in spiritual form. He also talks about walking in wisdom. For those of you who maybe have been praying the prayer that Alan suggested out of Ephesians chapter 1, that we might filled with a, be filled with the spirit of wisdom in the knowledge of him. The Holy Spirit not only brings a holiness into our lives, He brings the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. We can, never, uh, we can never go wrong by focusing on the Holy Spirit because He always points us to Jesus. That's His job. That's His desire. He wants us, He wants the Son of God manifest on the inside of us. He's always working to take the things that belong to Christ and make them known to us. He's always uh, teaching us things that God, Jesus at one time wanted to teach us, but we weren't ready yet. He is the teacher. He is the one who comes alongside, and He allows us, you and I, to walk out our faith with an empowerment from the inside.
So there's a wisdom that comes and there is a holiness that comes to help us to stand in an evil day. Then the Paul says something that I want to address. He says, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Another thing that the Holy Spirit brings into our life is intoxication. What did he say? One of, sometimes we are not comfortable with the activity in our holy in 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 our, the activity of the Holy Spirit in our life because we're not comfortable with spiritual intoxication. We're not comfortable with maybe looking a little silly in human standards. We're not comfortable being out of our mind and in our spirit. We're not comfortable speaking from our spirit instead of from our head. See, that's what tongues is. That's what the Apostle Paul said. He said, he who speaks in a tongue speaks from his spirit. His mind is clueless, my translation. And many times we're uncomfortable with that because we feel like we're out of control. Aha. Ta-da! That was the plan from the beginning. There are those times when the Holy Spirit wants to use us and He wants us to move in obedience and, or He wants to speak through us. True prophecy, we were teaching this at the Higher Call class a few weeks ago. The true prophecy is beginning to speak without knowing what you're going to say. In fact, my exhortation to the people at that class was, if you want to grow in true gift of true prophecy, spend time speaking in tongues in the secret place. Why? Because you become comfortable speaking from your spirit and just letting it flow. And then when it comes time to prophesy, to slip into English, you just stay in that vein. And even though your mind might send an email to your spirit and say, what are we doing? Doesn't matter. You just let it flow. The natural mind is at enmity with the spirit of God. Now, Thank God that our mind can be renewed and we, we gain and grow in the mind of Christ. But we need to understand that you and I are called to be a people who live from here. I thank God for my mind. I need it. It helped me know that I should shave this morning and put on deodorant. It helped me get dressed all by myself. It helped me in all kinds of ways. But there is the reality of getting out of our mind and stepping into flowing from our spirit. That is the job of the Holy Spirit. He comes in and he allows us to be another person. I'll never forget the first time I preached from a pulpit. I just started speaking and I felt like I was standing off watching someone else speak. How many of you have ever had that experience? That is the activity of the Holy Spirit. And that, and that is us being used apart from ourselves or us in spite of ourselves. And the Holy Spirit delights to do that. 
He delights to make us way more whatever than we are. Verse 19. Am I done talking about intoxication? I do want to say this. It is okay to come forward for prayer to ask to be filled with the Spirit with evidence of speaking in tongues. That's fine. But don't feel like if it doesn't come right away that you didn't get the Holy Spirit. That is part of my point. I've known people who have gone home and gone to bed and woke up in the morning and speaking in tongues. Someone in our group said they were, uh, in our connect group, said they were looking in a mirror and just started to talk and it, all of a sudden it was like, had to go check with mom and see, is this what I think it is? Don't raise your hand, but how many of you that do speak in tongues when you first did had your mind and the devil telling you you're an idiot? And it's not the, it may be true, but that's not my point. <laughs> I had to throw that in. <laughs> no, that's not my point. My point is it doesn't make sense to the natural man. It doesn't make sense to the natural mind. Prophecy doesn't make sense to the natural mind. I shared at the class a few weeks ago, I remember distinctly, and I learned a lesson from this, sitting in a leaders meeting, uh, leaders of the Elk River prayer movement, sitting in a leaders meeting, having a presentation to us that we should adopt uh, a, a city in uh, Caraba, Rwanda, and that we should adopt, you know, we should... Adopted as a sister city and sponsor kids. And I'm sitting there and, my, and, in, and I'm thinking, no, we got enough going. We cannot take on another thing. Nope, nope. It was just, and I, it wasn't my decision. It was a group of leaders, but that would have been my vote. But then we prayed. And I found myself... Again, just opening the well and letting it flow. And I started praying in favor of it. And I started praying that if we do this, God, we will be sowing into another city. And God will bless our city as we purpose to bless that city. And my mind is going like, I thought we said we weren't... <laughs> And I learned something from that, and I realized that sometimes we need to allow the flow of the Spirit to speak through us. Again, this is all about speech. Now, it changes every fab the whole fabric of our being, body, soul, and spirit. But the reality is, one of the most unruly member, that member that can speak life and speak death is given over to the Spirit of God. And we did. We ended up sponsoring over 500 kids. In fact, we still sponsor one. Um, as a city, how many of you sponsored kids in that move? <laughs> 
a few. So be filled with the Spirit. How do we do that? Speaking to one another. One of the reasons that we come together as the church uh, on a Sunday morning and in midweek meetings, connect groups, women's meetings, men's meetings, is to speak to one another. To encourage one another. To be what? A witness to Jesus. To be a witness of who he is and what he's doing in our lives. To stand with one another, encourage one another, strengthen one another. Speaking to one another, how? Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in our heart to the Lord. I want you to put yourself back in time when this was written. We need to understand they didn't have a worship team. They didn't have uh, Spotify. They didn't have Amazon Music. They didn't have, so one of the exhortations of the Apostle Paul in his day is encourage one another with the psalms and with hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. They didn't have the opportunity to listen to last week's message a month from now. They didn't, we need to remember, they didn't have all of that and they didn't even have this. That was a balloon. I almost asked him if I could borrow that because I think I could have done something with that. I just didn't know what it was quick enough. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. I want to encourage those of you who are on the worship team, those of you who are musical, I want to encourage you what an awesome gift that is in helping your brothers and sisters to stay filled with the Holy Spirit. I think sometimes musicians can feel like, well, I can use my gift to move people, and I don't know if that's right. Oh, my goodness. I try hard to use my gift to move people. Why don't you use yours to move people? Yes, it's okay to use music to move people. Yes, it's okay to use music to stir up the body of Christ. Yes, it's okay to use music to cause uh, the Spirit. Do you know the Holy Spirit jumps on the inside uh, of me at the sound of music when it's Holy Spirit driven? When, it's holy, when, when the maker of the music, whatever the instrument or whether it's voice, when it is God-ordained and God-purposed and in fact is a gift from God. Musicians, you have permission to move me. You have permission to move people in this body with your gift. We should be moved. Well, 
I'm not sure it's the Spirit. That's not up to you. Use your gift. That goes for all of us. Whatever our gift is, use it to the max. Encourage one another, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in our hearts. I want to encourage you during times of worship to forget about the writing on the wall and to sing to God your song. Just to sing out of the abundance of the heart, whether Apostle Paul said it this way, he said, uh, he said, I, I, I will sing with my understanding and I'll sing in the spirit. Sometimes we sing in tongues. I want to encourage you to recognize the power that releasing the well and give words. He said, I will pray with my understanding and I'll pray with my spirit. I encourage you, make it part of your prayer life to pray in tongues. To to open the well and just let it flow if you have that gift. It's important. Why? Because we're being filled with the Spirit. I think I shared this here a while back, but I'll share it again. I was ministering at Christ Church at a Alpha Holy Spirit weekend, and someone very sincerely raised their hand and just asked, why does the Bible say we have to be filled with the Spirit again if we already were filled? And my answer was, we leak. And it's true. And, And either we leak just through letting what's inside of us be wasted throughout our day, or we leak intentionally. I suggest we leak intentionally. I suggest we be very deliberate about what we release as we go throughout our day. Apostle Paul said, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. And I want to suggest that some of us are cracked pots. And we're this earthen vessel, but there's a few cracks in it that just let it ooze out. And so we, we, the thought there in our text for this morning really is be continually filled with the Spirit. That's what happened to the disciples on the day of Pentecost. Did they already have the Holy Spirit? I believe, yes, they did. But they were filled to overflowing. You know what one of the most amazing things is that we have in Scripture in front of us to see 11 men who walked with Jesus for three years and we got to know some of them pretty well and we got to know their frailties and their weaknesses and then we get to see some of those same men walking after the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Obviously the one that comes to mind the most is Peter. Little timid Peter who runs from a little girl sitting around a campfire who said, you were with Jesus. I was not. Denied Jesus three times. Filled with the Spirit. He stands before 
thousands of people, and he is a witness. Yes, I was with him. <laughs> you bet I was with him. And guess what? And preaches a message that gets 3,000 people saved. Now, if, if you went by a lot of statistics, including Billy Graham, who we mentioned earlier, he would say out of those, I mean, their statistics would say out of 3,000 in one of their rallies, only about 1% would be in church a year later. But in Peter's case, they became the church. And then another 5,000 added later, and, you know, on and on it goes. Now, when we read the accounts in the book of Acts, we need to understand there was a dispensation of time for a special task that God was getting accomplished. So he was doing things very sovereignly and very quickly. And it's not that he doesn't do the same things today. It's just that it takes... Uh, our part to be involved in it. There must be a believing and a receiving. Thank you for listening to this week's message. To learn more about us, please visit livingwatersmn.org.